And we'll read some scripture here in a moment. But I want to start by reading some names. Alyssa, Scott, Martin, Nicholas, Aaron, Jamie, Chris, Luke, Kara, Gina, Joaquin, Elena, Meadow, Helena, Alex, Carmen, and Peter. These were the names of the 17 people that were killed, shot dead in Florida this last week. Three teachers and the rest, I believe, were the students. And as we're aware, these shootings have been happening so often over the past many years that the news commentators are now talking about the shooting of the week. Happening in schools, movie theaters, nightclubs, concerts, and in churches. The question, and I stand here with a heavy heart today, as I think we all have heavy hearts. The question is, 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 is why? And so many are trying to figure this out. And I'm not going to stand up here today and presume for one moment that I have the distinct, definitive answer. But I do want to talk about some things with you that may not completely answer the question, but I think it will point us in the right direction where we can come close to answering the question. You say, Pastor, why, why are you talking about this today? We, we wanted to just come and hear something upbeat. Well, you can see I can be upbeat. I can tell you stories that will make you laugh. And that's, there's nothing wrong with that. But we do that from time to time. It's, it's, it's good to be jovial and have fun. But I feel it is incumbent upon ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ to address this matter from the pulpit. I've said things about these shootings over the years and they're just heavy on my heart. I believe by the Holy Spirit. He wants this talked about today. So we'll do the best we can. Of course, I read those 17 names and if I stood up here and read all the names of the people who've been massacred over the last years, we'd be standing here for a long time reading names. And none of these people should be forgotten. And 
tragic. So while the shootings, well, first of all, these are just some things that I wrote down that gun laws, which immediately brings us to Democrats and Republicans. Democrats generally want some sort of regulations, generally, and Republicans tend to not want to have as many, if any, at all. The extreme far-left Democrat would perhaps take all guns away from the American people. The extreme far-right Republican would perhaps want to arm everybody, including most of the students in the schools. Neither one of those are right. Why don't politicians change the gun laws? Well, I find it sad that so many politicians care more about their political position. I'm talking Democrats and Republicans. Equal. It is sad that so many politicians care more about their political position than siding with what is best for the American people. Money and power is at the root of it. The love of money, not money, but the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And money implies power. Now, I am for the Second Amendment. I believe in the right to keep and bear arms. I do. But some reasonable, common sense regulations on who can purchase guns would be a good thing. And I also think certain types of guns should not be available to the public, but reserved for military use. I think having good armed security is great, as long as you've invited the Lord to guard you as well. Why all these shootings? Lack of compromise, perhaps? The nation has become so divided that reasonable compromise cannot be attained. Thus, the American people suffer. The, the Democrats are so set on what they believe and the Republicans so set on what they believe. Such division that seemingly folks can't even or won't even sit down and have a reasonable discussion about what could make things better for the American people. Jesus said, a house divided against itself cannot stand. 
while the shootings, mental health issues, certainly, no question about it. An adequate treatment for mental health issues in this country seems to be lacking, very much so. And then something else that you have to realize, too, is there is a vast spiritual element to what's going on that politicians do not consider. The news media does not consider, typically, the spiritual element. The Bible says the devil comes, Jesus said this, the devil comes to what? Steal, kill, and to destroy. You have a devil and demons out there that are behind all of this. And that needs, that needs to be dealt with as well from a spiritual perspective, which doesn't get hardly any treatment, certainly by politicians. What's behind all these shootings? I'm just giving you some questions to think about. What about a dishonest news media? On both sides. I said on both sides. Dishonest news media on both sides. There's just as much dishonesty on Fox News as there is on CNN and MSNBC. And until we can drop down and take away our Republican badge and our Democrat badge and put those in the drawer and say, you know what, why don't we just stand for honesty? You need to realize, because I've watched Fox, I've watched CNN, I've watched MSNBC, I've watched NBC, CBS, ABC, I've watched them. And both sides are feeding their audiences what they want them to hear. Listen to me, the news media should not be liberal, it should not be conservative, it should be honest. And if you shut me off because of what I said about Fox News, you are part of the problem in this nation. And if you shut me off because of what I said about CNN, you are part of the problem. You need to put all that junk in the drawer and look at Real loud, say honesty. The founding fathers of this nation wanted a free press. And a free press is necessary and important. And I have said this for years. And the Holy Ghost has had me saying this for years up here. That one of the, one of the worst things that we have in this nation is a dishonest press. Now, I'm not saying it's all dishonest. Some of it that's really honest and good, but... If the press was just honest, it would solve a lot, if not all, of the political problems in this nation. Did you hear what I just said? And if the press was just honest, you'd see the politicians start coming more in line and cleaning their houses up. 
from a lot of different things and start doing things that are in favor of the American people. Not just in favor of this lobby here or that lobby there. What about the 24-7 news cycle? And it's true not just on cable television or satellite, but it's true on your phones. And there's always seemingly has to be some breaking news. The news media will stay on a school shooting, for example, for a couple of days. Now listen to how sick this is, what I'm about to say. They'll stay on a school shooting for a couple of days... But it just depends on how many gets killed. If a whole bunch of people get killed, then they'll cover it and they'll stay on it longer. But if just, now listen how sick this is. If just one or two get killed, it, it might get, it'll get mentioned, but they, it might, it'll get mentioned, but then they move on to something else. How, how sick is that when we, when we devalue even one human life? I'd like to see the news media stay on something until the politicians have to change it or have to do something. Just we're not going to go away. We're just going to stay on it until till something's done. Why all the shootings? I, I, has it be, has it, is it because so many Americans are distracted by so many different things? Do you realize most people spend most of their time on their cell phones? I have a cell phone. I look at it. And it tempts me to be distracted with it. And I think cell phones are great. Great invention. Glad, glad to have one. But we shouldn't let our cell phone and social media run our lives. And the next question I have here, how about the rise of social media? I think there's a great thing to it. There's is really good, but you know there's some really bad pitfalls to social media. Did you know that? Did, I said, did you know that? There's some a lot of good stuff to it. And I don't spend that much time on it. My wife spends more time on it than I do, but she tells me, and I've seen it to some degree, do you know people can be just downright mean on social media? Do you know that? And, and, and thank God for it. I mean, news can travel more quickly and, and, and communication. That, that There's a good side to it, but there's also a negative side to it. And, and, and like, I mean, bullying was bad enough when you were on the playground there and you just had one bully. But when you get mass bullied on media, I've never had that happen that I know of. But that's no fun. People trash talking one another on social media and and unfriending you and I've never been unfriended. I, I've been friended a few times. I probably will be unfriended if I'm on there long enough. I but but do you understand what I'm talking about? While the shootings could it have to do something with violence and vulgarity on television? 
Violence in video games. Could it be a lack of Christian involvement in the political process? You see, when Christians don't get involved in the political process, and actually if you go back to the founding fathers, the way the government is set up is, as I study it, it's implied that godly men and women should be holding these offices. President, vice president, secretary of state, secretary of the treasury, secretary of labor, governors, senators, congressmen. If you put... People that love the Lord Jesus, they're born again Christians that are walking in line with the Bible into these different political roles. You'd you'd see how fast the nation would come back in line with righteousness and the Word of God. But when Christians are apathetic and don't get involved in the political process... It gives rise to the ungodly holding political offices and Supreme Court seats. Thus, as a result, abortion was legalized in 1973, resulting in the murder of over 58 million babies. Think about that. And then, of course, in 2015, the legalization of same-sex marriages. I've even met quote-unquote Christians who are in favor of these things. How many of you know abortion and same-sex marriage is against this holy book? I'm going slow because I want you to think. I want to give you plenty of time to think. Could the violence in this nation be that so many American Christians have lost their, what Jesus called saltiness? He said, if salt, he said, you're the salt of the earth. He was talking to believers. He said, but if the salt loses its saltiness, it's, Not good for anything but to be thrown out and tread underfoot. Have we lost our saltiness, our flavor? He said, Jesus said, we're the light of the world. And if our lights aren't shining, then darkness. It seems that So many Christians can come out for every party, recital, sports event, and so on, but can't come out occasionally to gather together to pray for the nation. Think about that. And then we wonder why there's such a mess. Could could some of these things be the cause? All of them, some of them, a few of them? You know, it's interesting to... 
Listen to this. It's interesting to compare American Christians with the Christians of the Roman Empire. I'm not talking about all Christians now, but there's just so many of them. Yeah, I'm talking in this land, in this United States. It's interesting to compare American Christians with the Christians of the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire eventually declined and ultimately fell. The Christians in Rome became obsessed with luxury and pleasure. Roman Christians became just like the worldly Romans. A church will either affect the community and the community will become like the church or the community will affect the church and the church will become just like the community. When you walk into a house of God, you should know you've walked into some place special. Something different than a nightclub or a cruise ship. We'll get to that. Listen to this. Christians in Rome became obsessed with luxuries and pleasure. Roman Christians became just like the worldly Romans. The Christians in Rome were feasting and playing instead of fasting and praying. It is said of the Romans, including the Christians in Rome, their happiness hung on the outcome of a sporting event. And how many times over the years have I watched Christians get far more excited about the World Series or the Super Bowl than the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ? How many of you know we ought to be more excited about Jesus than anything else? Whatever it is you do, whatever your sport or hobby is, we're, we're not against those things, but Jesus ought to be more important. You know, I've had people... Walk away from me by the droves for making that statement right there. But I stand with it. You know why? Because it's right. While the shootings, let's continue to think about this a little more. Could it be, could it be that so many, and I'm, I didn't say all, but could it be that so many popular preachers with large media ministries in this nation are running cruise ships instead of lifeboats? Could it be, and I didn't say all, but so many popular preachers with large media ministries are running cruise ships Instead of lifeboats. A church, when you walk into a church, you should know, as I said a moment ago, you've walked into someplace holy, someplace special. You, you, you know, you, you shouldn't, when you, when you walk on into, the, into, the, into the holy house, you should know that you've walked into the house of God, not, not, not a cruise ship. Now, I'll tell you right now, I didn't want to put that in my notes, but the Holy Ghost said, put it in there, right on the inside. He wants that said. This is not a cruise ship. 
It's a lifeboat. Years ago in the 70s, they had a television show every week, a sitcom called The Love Boat. How many remembers that? And love boat, so what's wrong with that? Well, it really wasn't an agape boat. Agape is a Greek word, God kind of love. It was an eros boat. Eros, Greek word, meaning sensual, sexual. How many of you know God made sex? How many of you know God made it and sex is, is good? It's a wonderful thing. It's, it's God's wedding present to a married couple, a man and a woman as a husband and a wife. And the Bible says marriage is honorable in all and the bed is undefiled and God is all for you having a wonderful sex life. But God put rules and regulations on it. Man, woman, as husband, wife. And you take it out of that setting and it might be pleasurable for a while, but I'm going to tell you what. In the end, it will destroy you. The Bible says when, when the end result of sin is death. The Bible says sin is pleasurable, but the end of it is death. The church should not be like a cruise ship. Now, don't misunderstand me. There should be activities. There should be a lot of fun. We, we, we have our donuts. We do that. We have that. It's all good. It's all wonderful. But this place is not about serving donuts. It's about serving Jesus. And I've had droves of people walk away from me for that statement right there. But I say it. Why? Because it's right. Let's have fun. Let's, 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 Let's do that. But let's keep Jesus first. Concerning a lot of these larger ministries, a lot of good ones, but I tell you what, I know what the Spirit of God said to me years ago concerning so many of them. Holy Ghost said it right on the inside. You you can tell when somebody says something stern to you that they're upset, they're aggravated with something. He said to me, he said, they're not teaching my doctrine. How many of you know doctrine is... The teaching of the Word of God, line upon line, precept upon precept. That's not real popular in this hour. It's more about how can I be happy? How can I be happy? How can I be blessed? Well, I believe in being happy and being blessed, but, but, but if that's what you're hearing every single time, there's something wrong. And because doctrine is not being taught, people, Christians... Don't really know the Bible or understand the Lord. They don't know the difference between right and wrong. The largest church in this land, I have to say it, I work for Him. This is what He once said. They're making everybody welcome. I'm talking about why people are getting shot dead in schools. See, I'm not dealing with symptoms now. I'm going back to the root. I'm not blaming it on just one man. I'm blaming it on a culture 
of where we have to tell people what they want to hear every week to make them feel good. They make everyone welcome and comfortable, comfortable even in their sin. Spirit of God said to me when I was running this last week, he said, some preachers have an encouraging word about everything, even sin. And this church here, the way we are set up is we are set up to make everybody feel welcome. But I don't want anybody, you or me, comfortable if there's sin in our lives. Is that fair? Everybody welcome. Everybody welcome. Every, we're here to welcome sinners. We're here to welcome everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome all of you. As I used to sing in the Baptist church as a child. Welcome, welcome all of you. Glad you are with us. Shake hands. No need to be blue. Welcome to you. And so we welcome. But nobody comfortable if there's something in our life that shouldn't ought to be there. And that goes for me as well. Can anybody say amen? And what is being taught by so many large media ministries, not all of them, but so many of them, they teach a life of self-satisfaction instead of of a life of self-sacrifice. And the Bible teaches a life of self-sacrifice, not self-satisfaction. You can see why I don't have the biggest church in town. Alexis de Tocqueville, a French political historian who came to America to see why This nation was great many, many years ago, a long time ago. Said this concerning America's greatness. Listen to this. I sought for America's greatness in her spacious harbors and ample rivers, and it was not there. I sought for America's greatness in her fertile fields and boundless forests. It was not there. I sought for America's greatness in her public school systems and institutions of higher learning. It was not there. It was not until I went to the pulpits of America and found them aflame with the preaching of righteousness that I understood America's greatness. I stand behind the holy desk every week. And so many of America's problems can be traced back to the pulpits and then the Christians of America not doing what we're supposed to be doing. Now don't misunderstand me. There's a lot of good being done and that good should be, should be talked about. And encouraged and But I'm, I, I want to see these school shootings stop. I want to see these other shootings stop. I want, to see, I want to see the violence in Chicago. I want to see that stopped and around the nation. How about you? We can talk about it all we want. I can preach on it all we want, but we've got to do something. 
say more about that in just a moment. There have always been issues and problems in the United States. I'm not denying that. You can go all the way back to Plymouth Rock, though, and you saw those were Christians, right? Christian nation, Christian nation. Always had our problems. My goodness, the Civil War and what was going on then. My gosh, problems. We've had problems, but there seems as though there's always been There's always been, I don't know how to say it, but I guess I'll use the words of our last president when he said this is no longer a Christian nation. It was founded on Jesus. And I declare that it still is a Christian nation. But at times it sure don't look like it. But I want to say this. From my experience over the past 54 years, that's how old I am. I can honestly say that this nation, there's some, I don't know, in the spirit realm, there's something about the last... I'd say about the last 10 years, more or less, I can honestly say this is not the same nation I grew up in. And it's and, and look, I love this nation. I'm, I'm proud to be an American. I, I love this nation. But I'm heartbroken as what's happening to it. We've gone on television from the Cleavers... Beaver Cleaver and his family. I don't know. Some of you don't know who they are, but people my age know who they are. We went from the Cleavers to the Simpsons. How many of you know that didn't happen overnight? It's taken, real loud, say this, say a generation. Say it like you mean it. Let's say a little bit more about that here as we go. In the early 1960s, prayer, listen to this, I was born in 1963, 1962, 63. In the early 19, well, I was born in 1963, but in, in, in the early 60s, prayer, the Bible, and God himself were thrown out of the public school system. In 1980, the Ten Commandments were banned from public schools. When God leaves, light leaves, because God is light. Did you know the Bible used to, in this nation, be used to teach little children to read? Do you know that? I wonder what would happen if we went up and asked the superintendent of the Rockwood Schools and the school board if we could start using the Bible again to teach the kids to read. Wonder what, wonder, wonder what kind of a response we would get. And I use Rockwood because I'm a product of that system. All 12 years of education until I went to college, I went to Rockwood School District. It's a good school district. 
I always find it interesting when there's a school shooting afterwards. Everybody's saying, pray, 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 and we should. But what would happen if we were to go and try to put prayer back in the school? They'd tell us right where to go, wouldn't they? You can't have it both ways, can you? And it's interesting, listen to this, since we're talking about why why all this violence. What happened after the courts removed the Ten Commandments? Listen to this. Commandment one, you'll have no other gods before me. Church attendance has continued to decline. This is throughout the nation. Christians choose sports or extracurricular activities over church events. Number two, you'll make no idols. Since that's been removed, sports figures, movie stars, musicians, rich people, and the like are held in more esteem than God. Number three, you'll not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Foul language is allowed on television, radio, and movies. The youth embrace swearing and music and daily speech. The adults do too. And because they are not taught to honor God. Number four, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And now Sunday is no different than any other day of the week. Businesses are open. Sporting events and activities other than church thrive on the Lord's day. Number five, honor your father and your mother. Respect for authority is an all-time low in this nation. Number six, you shall not murder. The crime rate is unbelievable. Youth are, are bringing guns to school to kill people who made them angry. We hear of a murder every day just about. Television, movies, and video games have glamorized killing, thus numbing the senses of our youth to respect each person As the creation of God, abortion is now the law of the land. Number seven, you'll not commit adultery. Divorce continues to rise even among Christians. Fifty percent of all marriages end in divorce. Sexual sin, homosexuality, lesbianism, same-sex marriages, and pornography have moved to the forefront and have become treated as normal. You shall not steal. People have come to the point where when, not all people, but so many, when they see something they want, they find a way to steal it instead of work for it. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. All we have to do is look at our government leaders and media outlets who demonstrate that lying is acceptable, just don't get caught. And you shall not covet. Our society wants to keep up with the neighbor's. Home, vehicle, clothes, in order to look good at work or in other community community aspects. We have become self-centered. It's all about me and my needs. That's what's happened since the Ten Commandments have been removed, generally in this nation. It's interesting what Abraham Lincoln said. You know who he is. Listen to this. The philosophy of the schoolroom in one generation will be the philosophy of the government in the next. The philosophy of the schoolroom in one generation will be the philosophy of the government in the next. And I have a few minutes left. I want to spend them in Scripture. 
very quickly, go to Judges chapter 2, verse 7. During church prayer last Tuesday evening, among other things, the Holy Spirit brought up to us concerning our nation and the generation that has now arisen. The generation that has now arisen. The Holy Ghost was talking to us about that last Tuesday night, among other things. As we prayed, the generation that has now arisen in this nation. Judges 2 verse 7. So the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua. You know, he took over for Moses. And all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua. Who had seen all the great works of the Lord which he had done for Israel. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died when he was 110 years old. Verse 9, they buried him. Verse 10. When all that generation had been gathered to their forefathers, listen to this now. Joshua dies, that generation that he led died. And then the Bible says another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord. And that's where we're at right now in this nation. By and large, we have had a generation arise who does not know the Lord. Nor the work which he had done for Israel. Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. Those were false gods. And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. And they followed other gods from among the gods of the people who were all around them. And they bowed down to them. They provoked the Lord to anger. They forsook the Lord and served Baal and the Ashtoreths. Those were false gods. So after Joshua and his generation, another generation arose that did not know God. And you could read on in there that God would do his best to raise up a judge that would come in there and, 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 and help the people. But then once that judge died out, people went right back to their evil. Another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord. And that's where we're at right now in this generation. By and large, we've got a generation that does not know the Lord. And a lot of Christians, they're saved all right, but they don't know the ways of of the Lord. Because they're attending cruise ships instead of churches. For there to be hope in this nation, and thank God he's a God of hope. And I'm here today to tell you that all is not lost. But for there to be hope, we must realize what is going on in this nation and we must do our part to change it. That's why I was teaching this message. I had to show you all that to make this statement. There is hope. Say there's hope. There is hope. But we must realize what's going on and do our part to change it. Listen to me. A generation is what, about 40 or 50 years? I've been alive about a generation. This nation didn't get to where it is overnight. It's taken about 50 years, give or take. It didn't get here overnight. You can't change it overnight. How many knows that? 
But the devil has worked a little here. A lot of people think that, well, I'm so insignificant. My vote doesn't count. My voice doesn't count. You know, the devil works a little here, a little there, a little here, a little there, a little here, a little there. And over 50 some odd years, look at what's happened to this nation. Well, we can't get up here and just say one prayer and change everything. It's, not, it's going to take some time to change things. But if we would start now and just making our voices as insignificant as we might seem sometime, but just let our voice be known here, our vote be known there, our prayer be made here, our vote be made there. We're not going to that movie because there's bad words in it, because there's sexual stuff in it. We're not going to frequent that movie. We're not going to watch this certain television show. If we just start doing that in time, start voting in godly people, Maybe running for an office ourselves or something, getting on a school board or something, whatever the case. Over time, things could be changed. You can't have something take 50 years to mess it up and then just overnight have it change. Now, God can do a quick work, all right, but things don't change overnight. But they can be changed. But we all have to do our part. Go to 1 Timothy 4, verse 1. I need to conclude this. First Timothy 4 verse 1. I'm just going to leave you with, with some scripture here. That will help us with, with what to do. And then we'll close. First Timothy 4 verse 1. Now the Spirit expressly says. His Holy Spirit expressly says. This is the Apostle Paul writing to a young pastor named Timothy, and it concerned him and his congregation. So it applies to all of us. The Spirit expressly says that in latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. See, if you don't know what the doctrine of the Lord is, doctrine means teaching. If you don't know what the doctrine of the Lord is, you're going to be susceptible to doctrines of demons. Did you get what, did you get what the Bible just said there? Verse 2, speaking lies and hypocrisy. And by the way, how many of you remember at the start of this message when I was telling those funny stories? That was fun, wasn't it? I mean, it was. But if I did that during the whole 40, 45 minutes, you'd be laughing. I'd be, but what, in the end, what life would that bring to you? Is this supposed to be a time of entertainment only? Or, or am I supposed to put some doctrine in you? See, my funny stories aren't going to help you in the midnight hour when the devil's knocking on your door. But the doctrine of the Lord will. Speaking lies and hypocrisy. Look, giving their own conscience, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. That word seared means desensitized. And that's what the devil has done in this nation for the last 50 some odd years. He's desensitized us. I remember, how many remembers Archie Bunker? When he first came on, that was like the mark of the beast. Nobody would, that was horrible. And now, that show seems tame. How many remembers Dallas with J.R. Ewing? When that came on, that was a mark of the beast, so to speak, you know. But now, you look at that, it's pretty tame compared to stuff's going on now. Desensitized to the point where we've gone from the Cleavers to the Simpsons, to the point where Christians can sit in movies and listen to them say GD right up on the screen. 
four-letter words and all kinds of foul language and Christians just sit there and it doesn't even phase them. What is that? That's desensitization. And this generation has been desensitized as with a hot iron. Now notice verse 13. What do we do? He says, till I come, Paul was writing, he was going to come see Timothy, but he said, till I get there, give attention to, you ought to underline that, give attention to, so he's telling us what we need to do. Give attention to reading, and this means private and public reading, to exhortation and to what? To what? To, to what? That's the teaching of the Word of God. He said, give attention to it. And then in verse 16, he said, take heed to yourself and to the what? To the what? To the what? To the doctrine. People a lot of times won't come to this church because I don't entertain them. They, they want to be entertained. No, we need to hear what? We need to hear what? Give heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. That applies to you, doesn't it? Look at 2 Timothy 3, verse 1. These last couple will be in the Amplified. 2 Timothy 3, verse 1. Amplified, it will be on the screen. But understand this. Again, Paul, the Holy Ghost having Paul write to young Timothy about him and his congregation. But understand this, that in the last days will come, set in perilous times of great stress and trouble, hard to deal with and hard to bear. Well, I'd say that applies to where we're at. For people will be lovers of self and utterly self-centered. Lovers of money and aroused by an inordinate greedy desire for wealth. Proud and arrogant and contemptuous boasters. They will be abusive, blasphemous, scoffing, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, and profane. They will be without natural human affection, callous and inhuman, relentless, admitting of no truce or appeasement. They will be slanderers, false accusers, troublemakers, intemperate and loose in morals and conduct, uncontrolled and fierce, haters of good. They will be treacherous, betrayers, rash, and inflated with self-conceit. They will be lovers of sensual pleasures and vain amusements more than and rather than lovers of God. For although they hold a form of piety or true religion, a form of godliness, they deny and reject and are strangers to the power of it. Their conduct belies the genuineness of their profession. Avoid all such people. Turn away from them. Verse 13. But wicked men and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and leading astray others and being deceived and led astray themselves. But as for you, continue to hold to the things that you have learned and of which you are convinced. And by the way, Timothy learned from uh, his mother and grandmother at home. How many of you know the Word of God needs to be taught in the home, not just in the church? Knowing from whom you've learned them, he learned them from Paul. Verse 15, And how from, you see, from your childhood you have had a knowledge of and been acquainted with the, the sacred writings, the scriptures, which are able to instruct you and give you the understanding for salvation which comes through faith in Christ Jesus. Every scripture is God-breathed, given by His inspiration, and profitable for instruction, for reproof, and conviction of sin, for correction of error. 
See, that's what needs to be happening in, in church services. Encouragement, uplifting, building you up, building you up. But also, the Word will also correct us at times. and Correction of error and discipline in obedience. And for training, this is what the Word's for. Training in righteousness and holy living in conformity to God's will in thought, purpose, and action. Look at second. Well, this is the last one. Second Timothy four verse two. Second Timothy four verse two. He said to Timothy, he said to this pastor concerning his congregation, he said, "Herald and preach the word." Real loud, say the word. See, that's doctrine. That's doctrine. Preach the word. Keep your sense of urgency. Stand by. Be at hand and ready. Whether the opportunity seems to be favorable or unfavorable, whether it's convenient or inconvenient, whether it's welcome or unwelcome, you as a preacher of the word are to show people in what? Watch this. You as a preacher of the word are to show people in what way their lives are are wrong. You need to realize this message I preached here today would be thrown out on its ear in a lot of the megachurches in this city. I wouldn't be welcome. But I preached you the word. And convince them, rebuking and correcting, warning and urging and encouraging. See, there's the encouraging. Being unflagging and inexhaustible in patience and what? And what? Teaching. For the time is coming when people will not tolerate, endure, sound, and wholesome instruction or doctrine. We're there. We're there. But having ears itching for something pleasing and gratifying, they will gather to themselves one teacher after another to a considerable number, chosen to satisfy their own liking and to foster the errors they hold, and will turn aside from hearing the truth and wander off into myths, and man-made fictions. Take this message to heart today. Think about the things we've said. Meditate on them. Pass the communion out as quickly as you can. It's fitting to have communion. We receive it about every six weeks around here. Ushers are going to get it to you very quickly. And as they pass the communion out, as they're doing that, I want you to be very reverent as you always are. You're good people. I want you to be meditating on the things that we've talked about here today. While they're passing this out, if there's people here that you don't know Jesus as your Savior, I didn't get one of these today, so I need to get one. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Um, As they're passing this out, if you're here and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you need to know Him as your Savior. There's really a heaven to gain. There's really a hell to, to shun. The only way to miss hell and make heaven is to receive Jesus. So if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, what I recommend you do is take, take, take the bread and the juice, but don't receive it. Just hold it. And then afterwards, when we're done here, there'll be some men and women standing up here in the front. You come up and accept Jesus as your Savior. Make Him the Lord of your life. That's the only requirement that you have to fulfill to take this communion. You need to be born again. So if you don't know Jesus, if you don't know where you stand with the Lord, just just take the cracker, take the juice, but don't receive it. Just hold it. And then if that's you, you come up here after this service is over. There will be men and women up here, and you tell them, I want to receive Jesus. They'll lead you in a prayer. 
you can accept Jesus as your Savior. And then they'll serve you this communion. Glory to God. That's a fair deal. That's, that's good.